Hello, you are now in Carl's Orbit, where interesting people from all walks of life are interviewed as to who they are, what they do, and how they do it. Our topic will be talking about UFOs and also an organization that records information about UFOs in general, MUFON, MUFON, Mutual UFO Network. And our guest is Tom Whitmore. He's on the board of directors of MUFON and uh, formerly was the Texas station director for MUFON. Well, welcome to Carl's Orbit, Tom. Thank you, Carl. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, good. Uh, and uh, can you tell us uh, something about yourself that I may have missed and uh, then maybe information about MUFON in terms of what it does and how it does it? Okay. Well, uh, I was born in 1953, so I grew up in the 50s and 60s during the Cold War. And I saw the movies and TV shows that everyone else had seen during that time, like The Day the the Earth Stood Still and The Twilight Zone and The Invaders and other programs. So, you know, I was aware of uh, science fiction and the whole idea of space travel and extraterrestrial visitation. Well... When I was about 12 years old, I I started reading books by Donald Kehoe, who at that time was one of the leading proponents of the UFO problem in the public, and I became very interested in it at that time. But I didn't really become active in the UFO field in, until the early 1990s, and I was walking down the street uh, during that time. I was living in San Antonio, Texas, and I saw a magazine and in the window and I, I bought it and read it and that really uh, that really excited my interest in the subject so I started reading up on the UFO subject quite a bit and I uh, uh, decided to join MUFON I found out about MUFON and like I said I was living in San Antonio and MUFON was being run by Walt Andrus out of Seguin Texas which is just a few miles from San Antonio, and Walt would come and visit. He would attend the local meetings in San Antonio, so I got to know him, and I uh, took the field investigator's exam, and I became a field investigator, and I eventually became a state section director for San Antonio. And in 1995, Walt Andrus asked me to join the board. So I've been on the board of MUFON since 1995, and I've been through all the administrations since then of Walt Andrus and John Schusler and James Carrion and uh, Clifford Cliff and Dave McDonald and Jan Harzan and back to Dave McDonald now. So I've been through all that over the years, the good and the bad. So uh, it's been a long career. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, what about MUFON itself, uh how exactly does it operate? Oh, by the way, you mentioned you were a field investigator. Uh, can you give us information about what maybe you have investigated and uh, what you may have found out? I investigated several cases. Um, most of them, unfortunately, didn't amount to a huge extraterrestrial event. Uh, I did have one instance where uh, I had some some teenagers that were seeing spotlights that were being reflected against the the cloud cover 
and they lived uh, quite a long distance from San Antonio, but they had called me one night again after uh, I had heard their original complaints, and they um, said that they were seeing these UFOs. Well, I happened to notice that we had this certain cloud cover, and at one location in town, some business or something was running spotlights. Well, these spotlights would show against the clouds. So I actually drove out to where they were, and I met with them, and the whole time I I was seeing, you know, that same phenomenon. So that's an example of how I I, uh, uh, literally went to a location where people were reporting something, and and I could see for myself that they, you know, that they weren't seeing UFOs. That's an example. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, now... uh... What about the operation of MUFON? How exactly does it operate in order to get the information and so forth? Well, the way MUFON is set up is uh, MUFON is a 501c3 uh, not-for-profit organization. Uh, Almost everyone involved in MUFON uh, acts in a volunteer capacity. I'm a volunteer myself. Uh, MUFON does have an executive director that, that is a paid uh, employee, and we have an office manager as well that takes phone calls and attends to day-to-day matters. Uh, we have a board of directors between seven and nine people, and we meet regularly, and we go over some of the more mundane administrative aspects uh, that are involved in running any non nonprofit organization. And we have an operations director uh, that um, administers the website and the database and other uh, technical matters, and we have a chief investigator. And MUFON is organized uh, into state directors. We have directors uh, for every state that we're able to fill. And within those states, we have what are called state sections, and those those usually correspond to uh, the major cities in the state or geographical areas within the state. So when uh, reports come in, they can come in through the website or they can come into the office directly and they're they're in turn referred to the uh, appropriate state director and then the state director uh, usually passes the information on to the state section director and the state section director either investigates the case or they they assign it to another investigator. Now, Tom, when the reports come in, does MUFON screen the reports in any way? Well, we any time a report is recorded in the system, it it is it does become a case, and the report can be very simple or it can be actually quite involved occasionally. And uh, whenever the report is received. Uh, hopefully, we can get to it right away if there's no backlog of cases. There, there are instances uh, in states where there's a lot of activity and a lot of reports that there can be a backlog, so it might take a while for the investigator to get to that case, and then the in- investigator either talks with the witness on the phone or visits uh, the witness in person and and gets the report and the story and it's evaluated. So it really depends on the type of report that it is, oh. and uh, if it's if the uh, incident is is something that's identified, then 
then uh, that's noted in, in, in the case management system. Now, are there any states that have more reports than uh, other states? The quantity of reports tends to correlate with the size of the state. So naturally, California and Texas are two of, uh, two of the states where we get the most reports because there are large states with, with large cities. There are hot spots uh, from time to time or historically. For example, uh, upstate New York seems to be an area that's, that's uh, historically had a lot of activity. Yeah. And I know, I know from personal experience, uh, one of the MUFON board members is Debbie Ziegelmeyer from Missouri, and they get a tremendous amount of activity there. It's, it's a real hot spot. Yeah. Uh, I remember some kind of reports coming in involving UFO sightings in and around uh, the White House in Washington, D.C. in the past. Do you have any information about yeah. that? That was in the 1950s, um, and, you know, it, it created quite a stir at the time, and it put the administration and the Air Force uh, kind of on the hot seat. Uh, we have to realize that back in the 50s and 60s, the national press actually paid attention to UFO reports. Uh, and that, that changed in the, in the 70s and the 80s. But uh, the administration was under the spotlight for that, and the Air Force came out, and they tried to explain it away as, as temperature inversions. <laughs> so okay. uh, that, that case had the usual controversies that, yeah. that most public cases have. If I remember, there was a Project Blue Book that was set up by the uh, Air Force, and I wondered if anything came out of that. It simply closed down, and uh, no information came out uh, afterwards. Well, the Air Force did. Uh, they did investigate UFOs for many years, uh, from the from the fifties uh, uh, through the sixties, and they did uh, they did record a lot of the cases. Some of them are actually quite good. But the Air Force was in the unlucky position at the time of having to deal publicly with with the inquiries about the whole UFO situation, and they just got tired of it. I think the the top UFO or the top Air Force brass uh, didn't see UFOs as being part of their mission. Uh, naturally, their mission is is the defense of the United States, and the Air Force is a big organization with a worldwide mission and. Uh, bases all over the world, and they had other things to worry about than UFOs. So they decided to close out the Project Blue Book investigation in the late 60s, and they hired a well-known physicist by the name of Edward Condon uh, to run a study out of the University of Colorado, and they came out with a report uh, that basically gave the message that there is really nothing to the UFO problem. Oh. And at that point, the UFO officially publicly got out of the UFO business. Uh, what about the Pentagon? Recently, there was information in the news about the Pentagon getting interested in uh, looking at this whole area involving the sighting of unidentified flying objects. Well, what's happened, Carl, is uh, the Navy has undergone quite a bit of activity. Uh, and there's a person by the name of Luis Elizondo who was involved in an investigation at the Pentagon level 
of of certain incidents. Well, <clears throat> Mr. Elizondo was unhappy with the follow-up or lack of it that was taking place at the Pentagon level, and he left his job there, and he, and he uh, joined up with this organization that's well known now uh, as TTSA, the to the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. And in that process, he was able to get a couple of videos released out of the Pentagon of of these uh, uh, Navy pilots that were seeing these objects. Well, uh, there's been a lot of behind-the-scenes activity in Luis Elizondo and and, uh, Mr. Uh, Christopher Mellon who, uh, who has been involved at a high level in the government. Uh, they've been working be- behind the scenes, and they, I believe, have been able to put pressure on the Navy to agree to follow up on these sighting reports and not ridicule or suppress uh, reports from pilots and record them and, and uh, properly record them in their, in their uh, records. And so even even given that, you know, we're seeing uh, some news reports coming out that the Pentagon is coming out with policies about uh, uh, UFO sightings. And even the Senate, uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, got written into their their uh, appropriations this year that they expect a report every six months from the Pentagon on what findings they have. Now, this is brand new, so we'll have to see how that turns out. Uh, We're speaking to uh, Tom Whitmore, who is on a board of directors of MUFON, M-U-F-O-N, Mutual UFO Network, and we're talking about UFOs. Uh, Tom, uh, in terms of uh, where the UFOs are spotted, uh, I don't suppose we're the only country in which we have uh, people spotting UFOs it must uh, be a situation where they're spotted in other countries of the world. In which country would have the most uh, frequency of sightings of these UFOs? Well, Carl, we don't really have a worldwide database. Uh, there, you know, there's the database that MUFON keeps, and there's uh, the National UFO Reporting Center in Washington that uh, takes uh, reports, uh, and there are some private databases, uh, and there are UFO investigators uh, in groups in other countries, I believe, that have databases, but all of these have not put together. So I can tell you that the U.S. gets a lot of reports, but we're not the only ones. It's really a a worldwide phenomenon, and there's been a tremendous amount of activity historically in Europe and France and northern Europe, uh, also in Russia. Uh, there have been UFO investigators privately in Russia, and I think one or more studies have been done there. Uh, there's been a tremendous amount of activity in South America, particularly in Brazil. Mm. I know that there have been reports in China. We don't seem to have as mu- we don't have as much information from Far East Asia, and that may be partly because of the language barrier. But I can tell you it's it's truly a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah, and uh, when you receive the reports, uh, I imagine there are reports where you can sort of categorize them into what is ordinarily mentioned as sightings of the first kind, the second or third, something of that nature. Is that the case in terms of how you keep your records? 
Yes, and we have an evaluation system as as to how much weight uh, we would give uh, a, re a report. But naturally, uh, common sense will tell you that the farther away the object was, uh, the less uh, the less weight it would have in terms of expecting it to be a, a really truly anomalous event. Whereas if it's up close, and this is made famous uh, by the remark by the uh, system that Dr. J. Allen Heine developed of Close Encounters and and the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. But a close encounter of the third kind is something within you know say 500 yards, uh, you're very close to the object. So that kind of report, um, you know, given a credible witness, carry, does carry a lot of weight. Oh, I see. Uh, what about that uh, area where a UFO was supposed to have crashed? Uh, do you give much credence to that idea in terms of wreckage left behind that was accumulated, collected somehow or other, and uh, kept under wraps even at this time? That's uh, that's mainly the Roswell incident yeah. that, that uh, allegedly occurred in, in July of 1947. And uh, rancher uh, Mac Brazel found some debris on a very large ranch out there in, in New Mexico and reported it. And the uh, the Air Force Base there, or the Army Air Corps actually at the time, uh, allowed a news story to come out from the Roswell uh, newspaper that, that a uh, flying saucer had been recovered. And then uh, the next in the next day or two, at a higher level, uh, the the Army Air Corps general came out and, and explained that it was just a weather balloon. So uh, that case was forgotten basically for many years through the 50s and 60s. In the late 70s, some investigators by the name of William Moore and, and Stanton Friedman, who was a very well-known UFO proponent, uh, they interviewed a number of witnesses from Roswell, and they they uh, were left with the impression that it was that it was uh, a space or some kind of craft yeah. that had been recovered. And there, over the years, there there have been many rumors coming out of people in the military, and sometimes uh, coming out of Wright Patterson Air Force Base, that they had material there, that they had, uh, you know, the remains of a uh, some kind of a craft and bodies. So uh, we don't have proof of that. Um, but we do have reason to suspect that something like that may have happened. Now, people are are interested also in abductions. Have you received any reports involving abductions? Yes, and we have a, a whole uh, group within MUFON that's that's known as the Experiencer Research Team, and they uh, they deal with the abduction reports, and uh, a lot of people. Are, are reporting experiences, and these can range uh, from what are what are known as as almost standard uh, abduction type reports, where a person complains that they they uh, are taken from their bedroom in the middle of the night, and they're taken into some kind of craft and examined. Uh, maybe things are done to them. Maybe uh, marks or scars are left on their body. And they're returned in the 
they have nightmares and they have fragmented memories of these experiences. So these are these have become known as as abduction experiences. And then there are other experiences that people have that that fall into what is commonly referred to as as paranormal activity, and that's even poltergeist activity or seeing uh, seeing shadow figures or seeing um, uh, balls of light um, uh, in in their in their home or near their home. So people are having experiences, and they do report those, and and those go into our experience or report team. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we've been talking to uh, Tom Whitmore. Uh, he's a member of the board of directors of MUFON Mutual UFO Network, and we've been talking about UFOs in general in terms of what Tom does and what MUFON does, and uh, it was quite an interesting topic. Uh, it should be more information in the future, I'm sure, Tom. And uh, yeah. I'd like to thank you for being in Carl's orbit as a guest. Well, thank you, Carl. And again, uh, I appreciate you having me. I'm glad to be here, and I've enjoyed it. Well, thank you again. And uh, for all those listeners, we'd like you to join us again in Carl's Orbit.